Hello, this is Josiah Aston, co-founder and principal of Missio Academy, where we equip students for personal, professional, and pedagogic advancement. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoy this episode. This is Amber Aston, co-founder from ACO Academy, joining you on the podcast today, and I'm excited to uh, have a guest with me. Uh, Beth Bouse is a licensed marriage and family therapist and has been in practice for uh, over 17 years now. Uh, she's offered, authored several books and travels internationally speaking. She's married to Mike, and they have been married for uh, about 37 years, and they have two children. Uh, two grown children and two grandchildren and Beth uh, happens to be my mom so welcome I'm excited to have you today so we are going to uh, talk a little bit um, about uh, teenagers and uh, their development and this is one of her expertise so um, would you uh, talk a little bit about the development side of an adolescent I'd love to. Adolescence is actually probably the age that I love the most when it comes to uh, raising children. Um, As our children, you see, move from early childhood years to the adolescent years, you need to look for them to shift from being a more family-oriented child to a more peer group-oriented child, which means they move away from the family and they tend to um, admire and look for what their peers believe are true and right. Now, this is the time in their life when they focus on trying to figure out who they are. And because of this, they test limits at school and at church and even at home because They no longer believe everything that you tell them as being true. They want to figure it out themselves. And I think it's interesting also to note that they become really, really preoccupied with their behavior and they think that everybody else is too. They're what we call egocentric. And that means they become very self-centered. They live in a world that Um, can sometimes be a bit unrealistic. And what I mean by that is they feel like they're on stage. That whatever, wherever they go and whatever they do, they feel like everybody's looking at them. And this can cause them to act out as they show how tough they are. And so they do that because they don't want anyone to see how sensitive they really are. These kids at this time are incredibly sensitive to criticism. And that can really be difficult if you are doing a homeschool setting um, when you have a teenager that's going through this phase of life and, you know, your your mom or your dad and your teacher and you, you know, make maybe what they perceive a, a critical remark about their schoolwork or about their appearance, or maybe you made a, a comment earlier in the morning and then that carries over to their their schoolwork and you're in school session time and, and everything kind of bleeds together. So you can see how how that can can really um, can affect even their schooling if you're for, for those that are homeschooling. 
um, that. So how can parents deal with this time of life? Because like I've said, you know, for, for a lot of um, our audience, they, they're parenting and teaching at home. So you kind of have a blend. So this is going to be real a real thing. How can parents deal with this time of life and that um, imaginary audience that they, they think they have? Well, that's an excellent question. And Amber, remember when I was home studying, uh, or yeah, you were in home study, and I was working, and I um, was teaching you, and along with that, I was trying to teach you piano, and um, all these things. And sometimes we even had a little bit of conflict. But if I could give some advice to parents, and that's be patient, patient patient and try not to um you know everybody has bad days and teens have bad days as well and so what we want to do is when they're not having such a great day we want to give them a little bit more um flexibility we want to give them a little bit more um patience and um maybe that's the good day to do something fun that's also a learning thing like maybe visit museums or something like that so I just kind of wanted to throw that in there. But as far as the imaginary audience that kids have and they feel like everybody's looking at them and, and oh my word, a one pimple on their nose is a huge deal. For parents, the best thing for you to do is just to endure it. Um, as they grow up, just like we did, they're going to develop a stronger sense of reality. I promise you that. So just endure it, have a little smile on your face, remember the time that you went through that. I remember being like a size five as a teenager and think everybody thought I was fat. Everybody saw the one pimple on my nose and so I didn't want to go to school. And the truth is, as you know as parents, um, that's not the reality. But they grow up too and it's going to be okay. Yeah, I, re- I remember that whole piano fight. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and I always tell parents, sometimes if you don't have to, there's some things you may reach out for help. And so I remember what you did, you know, you tried to teach me piano, that didn't work, and so you got a piano teacher. And, and so for parents, I encourage if there's, if if you're not comfortable, if the kid's not comfortable, if they're looking, things aren't working out, um, get help. Um, go ask somebody else, maybe swap. I I talked to parents and, um, you know, maybe they were good in a, su- a couple subjects and they had a friend who was good in some other subjects that they weren't. And so they actually swapped. So uh, they taught the, the history and the science mm-hmm. to her child and their child and that other parent. Mom was really good at math and English and they taught the math and English. So Find your friends that are are good, maybe where you're not, where you're where you're weak, they're strong, and vice versa. And offer a swap, especially if they're homeschooling, they're gonna be happy, uh, just like you for help. Um, and so, and it also kind of mixes things up, helps the kids. It's a socialization, all of that kind of stuff. So, on the spiritual side, um, how can a parent help an adolescent through? Uh, sometimes this it's a real roller coaster of emotion. You wake up, um, and it's just a new day every day for 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 some young people. And I think sometimes, especially for girls, um, mm-hmm. this can be a real time of real battle. 
uh, spiritually just because of all of the emotions that are going on. So what are some of the tips maybe you can give to parents to, to really help them through this time period? I think one of the most effective ways to help our kids, our young people, when it comes to their, their spiritual journey is really just to model what you preach. Do your best to provide an environment in the home that they can ask questions about God and scripture. And sometimes uh, their, their thoughts on scripture might really kind of be tweaked a little bit. But take the time to listen. Try not to be critical. Try to understand them. Uh, do a lot more listening than talking. Try to understand where they're coming from. I think it's hard for parents because you're in such teacher gear mode. You know, you almost are, oh, you have a question? Here, let me ask, answer it. Here, let me solve the problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think that's a, that's a hard thing that we have to, to remember is is just to, to kind of be quiet and let them talk. doesn't mean that you have to come up with an answer or solution. Sometimes they just need to get it off their chest. It's the truth. And you have to remember, too, with teens especially, they work, they wake up in a new day every day. <laughs> it's the truth. I tell teens all the time, don't believe everything you think. <laughs> That's good. And parents, don't believe everything they say. Just because they say something one moment doesn't mean that they really believe it. They're just throwing things out and they're trying to figure out life. And so, again, do more listening than talking. That's probably the best advice I can give you as a parent. What can parents do to help their children not give in to the negative peer pressure? This is a huge thing with young people today especially for those that are maybe on a public school campus um or maybe they have a youth group um that you know a lot of the young people are struggling and and they're trying to make it through um and this is 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 peer pressure is a huge thing like you said they're going from the family centered to the peer centered um Environment. So, what can what can you give parents? Maybe some quick tips on on how to help their children. I think this is a great question, and really, peer pressure can happen anywhere. It can happen in the schools. It can happen in your neighborhood. It can happen in the church. So, we want to be in tune to this. Okay, um, one of the best things that you can do is to help your kids build a more God centered image. And what that means is involving them in the church youth activities, providing them plenty of Christian reading material for them to read, maybe hosting some of the fellowship stuff at your home. I remember we had a a foose table in the living room, (laughs) and you just have to know me to know that um, I kind of like things to be really nice, and I love a beautiful atmosphere. And that was quite a deal for me to have a foos table in the living room. And we went and got a a ping pong table. We even went so far and to even get a pool because we said we have to, we have to create an environment that kids want to come to our house and not create the environment where kids wanted to go to everybody else's house, but our house. So we just, for that time, made the environment really, I want to say kid-friendly, but really even teen-friendly, mm-hmm. you know? 
So um, you definitely want to do that. Um, other thing is be faithful as parents to church and model real Christianity from for them every single day. That's an important component. You can't say to be faithful. You can't say to do um, this these things and you not do them. Okay, um, you're gonna have to do these things. We want to practice the fruit of the spirit as. Um, adult as parents. So that means patience and tolerance and all those things that we need to strengthen within us so that we can role model those things with our kids. The other thing is help them to learn um, by asking them good questions. Kids want to know that their thoughts and opinions matter. They really do, even if their thoughts and opinions are just craziest things you've ever heard. (laughs) And they will. They'll come up with the craziest stuff. And instead of being critical, you might say, well, that's one way to think of it. And that doesn't come across so critical. But this means if you do this, that means you're going to have to take time to talk to them and listen to them. And the result of that is a good relationship with your young people. Another thing is, and we said this before, open up your home to friends. Get to know them. Let them let your teenagers make some decisions on their own. As long as they're healthy. Now I had two kids. I had a boy and a girl, my husband and I. My daughter actually was pretty simple in the fact that I would say, Amber, put this on today, or Amber, do this today. And she would do it. I mean, there was like no question. My son was very different. And from the time he was, oh my word, from almost the time he started walking, if I said wear this, he wanted to wear anything but that. He challenged our authority continually. You know what? I look back now as a grandmother and think, I am so thankful for my son because he taught me that, you know, you can be raised in the same home and not all kids are alike. And I appreciated his individuality. And so instead of making that a negative thing, turn it into something positive. So what I would do for him is I would pick two outfits and I would say, Jordan, which of these two outfits do you want to choose? And then he would choose one. And for him, it made him feel good. It made him feel like he had a choice because that was important to him. I'm noticing the same thing with Macy. Um, our daughter, yeah, she's she's definitely more of the you know, give her the two choices, and um, you know this toy or this toy because uh, she's you know so young, and it's you definitely and it's like oh the battle for you need to play over here is gone if I give her the choice. That's right, and not all kids are like that, and you know what? That's not necessarily a bad thing. I'm just going to be so honest with you. Sometimes when I sit in church and there's a, a, a child that's, you know, just being a child. You know, we're in church sometimes for an hour, hour and a half, two hours. And a child's just being a child and the mom is being apologetic. And I will actually tell the parents, listen, if your kid just sat there and just listened to preaching and did nothing, 
I would think something was wrong with your child. I think something is right with your child because your child is being a child. And it's the same with teenagers, folks. It really is. They are working through their identity. And it's really important for them to do that. And so part of doing that means going against some of the things that you will say or do. And that's okay. Try to understand them. Okay? Um, My last suggestion is, matter of fact, maybe this isn't my last, this is the second to the last suggestion. But don't be afraid as parents to draw a line. All right? Kids need boundaries. I don't care if we're talking about a kid that's 12 years old or we're talking about a kid that's 18 years old. Kids need boundaries. And sometimes you have to say no. And that's okay. You're the parent. God makes you responsible for your children. Okay, so don't be afraid of your children. Your responsibility is to keep them safe. Once they turn 18 and older, they get to do whatever they want to do. And I reminded my kids of that. You get to do whatever you want to do. But at this point, you have to do, when I say no, I mean no. And on top of that, you need to be consistent. When you say no, mean no. That's good. I've I've had parents before tell me, you know, I'm Seth, like, I'm so afraid to make them mad or, you know, um, they'll try to, they're, they're at a stage where they want to be friends. And from an educator perspective, you know, this is so important because I tell parents often, your child needs you to set the boundaries. Um, when you have boundaries, your child actually thrives more because they know where the limits are. They're not trying to feel those out. That's been established and now it's actually relaxing for the child because they know what's expected of them. They know where the lines are and now that they can just focus on the freedom of exploring that space and they actually become more creative more productive in education because they know what's expected of them this has been established um i remember you did that with us you know the the expected standard was you were going to do well in school you were going to make good grades and for the most part that meant a's and b's with the exception of math because i wasn't so good in math you guys let me slide with a c sometimes um but i had to really work at it and and i never really i don't think i ever got a c in grade school um it was usually a B and we were happy with that, but I never had to know and wonder where my boundary was with that because this was the boundary. You were to behave, you were to to be, you know, a listen and respect authority, you were to do your homework, um, you were to try, you didn't mean you always got it right, but you at least had to try and ask for help and um, and you were to get good grades and study. And that's what was expected of you, and you and I knew that. Mm-hmm. And so within that, then I could, you know, soar however high I wanted to, but I knew where the boundaries are. I knew what was expected of me. Yeah, that's ex- extremely important. And I even remember um, my kids saying to me and my husband, you know, high school was never the end. It was expected of our kids. And we just we just set this as a precedent when they were young. You 
would go to you would go to school and you will complete school and you will do well in school whatever well meant for you and then you will go to college it was expected and i remember um i remember you telling me one time or a couple times yeah in our house um it wasn't it wasn't a choice you had to at least get a bachelor's degree and a bachelor's degree in our house was like getting a high school diploma. Yeah. <laughs> um, so um, you had to really, you honestly, you had to get a master's degree. And I am, you know, it's not all about education. Education just gives you a foot in the door. But we, we, we pushed that when our kids were young. We just said it like, okay, when you graduate high school, you're going to college and you're going to get a minimum of a bachelor's degree, which is a four year degree. And um, I'm just thankful to say that both of you went and exceeded our expectations and both got master's degrees and have done really, really well. Um, and I appreciate that. And especially the fact that when I think back, I hardly ever helped you. It wasn't, I, I didn't baby you. Yeah, when you set the boundaries with kids, especially teenagers, um, and you set that expectation and you're consistent with it, I don't think you have to baby them. Um, you don't have to handhold them because they know that you're there. They know that they can go to you for help and, and resources and stuff. Um, but there's a sense of empowerment that comes with boundaries. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that's sometimes confusing and we forget as parents that when you say no, you're not stopping them. You're actually helping them that's right. because setting the boundaries is actually empowering the young person. And especially when this comes outside of academics, sometimes your kids actually want you to say no to something um but the peer pressure is so overwhelming um they're when you do say no they're grateful mm -hmm. because they're getting peer pressure from the friends and they're putting the responsibility onto the parent and that way it gives them the cool out you know they can mm -hmm. save face with mm -hmm. their friends and say oh my parents said oh, no you know parents. exactly but inside <laughs> they're but actually thankful. thankful because they didn't want to go to the slumber party or or they didn't want to go to that event per se and you're actually setting the safe boundaries and I think that it establishes that understanding that my parents are caring about me mm -hmm. they um, they're concerned about my welfare um, I, I, I knew that had I decided not to go to college um, as long as I was making a decision toward a purposeful future, mm -hmm. finding my purpose, even if I had decided to go to a trade school mm -hmm. and started a career, you guys would have been supportive of mm -hmm. that as long as I was being productive because that was the expectation. It was being a productive uh, Christian woman, young person, whatever stage I was in, it was being productive and finding mm -hmm. my purpose, not just laying around reading books or playing video games mm -hmm. or going to the mall and hoping for a husband. Um, <laughs> you know, it was being productive wherever I was at. That was the expectation. You knew we were capable and you knew our dream was college. So that made that, you know, the reasonable next step for a lot of young people. If they haven't made that decision to go to college, set the expectation. I would encourage parents to set the expectation at being productive, finding your purpose and your passion. Mm -hmm. um, don't just say high school's over. Okay, now what? 
and wander. Um, Set the expectation of you're going to do something and do it well with Mm -hmm. excellence, whether it's trade school, whether it's a career, um, or whether it's college. Um, Even if it is marriage after that, do it well. Be prepared. Prepare yourself now for that next stage, whatever it is, if you know it. Mm-hmm. But that's where, again, the boundaries come and the expectation comes. That's right. I think, I think those things are really, really important um, for our kids. And I look back, and um, probably one of the best things we did was, um, apart from you know being faithful to church and being very involved in the church, but also our kids had chores. Mm-hmm. Um, from the time they were little, they had chores. By the time that my kids were in middle school, they were ironing their own clothes. They were washing their own clothes. They had to clean, help clean. They worked in the yard. Um, they always had responsibilities. We never paid them allowance. The concept, <laughs> I remember that, yeah. The concept in our home was, you know what? You're part of this family, and you help this family because we're all in this together and so you're not gonna I'm not gonna get paid for washing you know clothes um so neither are you (laughs) and so everybody had an expectation the boundaries were really clear in our home nobody said um you know we would joke like nobody said are we going to church tonight it was expected you got dressed and you were going to go to church Wednesday night and we used to joke and they if they said they were sick we'd say throw up and prove it um but we were just teasing but it meant something it meant like we're, we're not playing these are the boundaries that are set and um and you followed them I didn't help my kids very rarely with homework or any, I didn't even I'm gonna and I don't know if I recommend this necessarily but I didn't even check on their work really I just expected them to do it and what we would tell them and especially myself was basically you're gonna grow up one day you're gonna make your bed and you're gonna lay in it you get to choose what your rest of your life is gonna look like and so you're responsible for your work I'm not responsible for your work. You know, I expect you to make A's and B's, but if you don't, um, that's on you. And so bottom line, what, what the result of that was two very independent children that took responsibility for their own lives. Um, by the time they were grown up, and when I say grown up, I mean like 17 years old, they had to learn how to cook. Matter of fact, they had to learn how to do bills. Um, there was a time where even <laughs> Amber and Jordan were in charge of the home, and Amber did the bills. And they were they were responsible adults as young teenagers. It was an expectation. I don't regret any of that. I really don't. And I have one extroverted child and one introverted child. But again, all I'm saying is... They need to have really clear boundaries. So you want to help them with negative peer pressure? One of the ways to do that too is to keep them very busy. Keep them busy around the house. Keep them busy with their schoolwork. Keep them busy in the church. And my last suggestion is to pray, pray, and pray some more. You're for your teen, but also pray that God would give you the wisdom and the knowledge to raise these children because 
He's given you that responsibility and he will make you accountable. So pray, pray, pray. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for all of these wonderful tips. And uh, we're going to come back and uh, do a part two on environment. So you won't want to miss that podcast. Once again, this is Josiah Aston, and I want to thank you for joining me today. Want to know more about Missio Academy? Follow us on Instagram or check out missioacademy.org.